I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of The Bib Show is brought to you by Bridge Street Capital Partners. Bridge Street is a Sydney-based corporate advisory firm that specializes in equity capital markets transactions for small cap companies listed on the ASX, primarily in the mining, energy and tech sectors. If you are a Section 708 sophisticated investor and would like to be on Bridge Street's distribution list for their upcoming capital raisings, send them an email with your details to info at bridgestreetcapital.com.au and mention the BIP show in your message. And now, on with the show. You're listening to the BIP Show. BIP is for business, investing, and policy. That's what we're here to talk about. Don't forget to hit subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. And a reminder that all the financial information in this podcast is generally in nature only. Speak to a professional advisor about your needs, uh, which is me, technically. I am James Whelan, uh, Investment Manager at VFS Group, joined by Paul Colgan, Director at CT Group. How are you now, Paul? Hello. How are you, James? Uh, not so bad. Uh, now, Ken Vexler, uh, Head of Acumen Management in Amsterdam, is not joining us today. We're getting a bit of time zone pressure. The date is the 17th of September. My goodness, we're almost to be into the final quarter of the year. Our guest today uh, is Erica Birchtold, and I know that I've pronounced that incorrectly, so the 14 years of German in school is not paying off for me, Erica. I'm sorry about that. Uh, the CEO of The Iconic formerly at Super Retail Group as MD of Rebel. Uh, and it's not a new move to the biggest online retailer in the country, but timely nonetheless. Uh, numerous board positions, including, I believe, Sydney FC still. Uh, how are you now, Erica? I'm very well, thank you, James. How are you? Uh, not so bad. And now, it, 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 this is good to catch up with you again, Erica, because uh, we are old, I would say, friends from about a 1,000 years ago and yes. lost contact because... I am awful at um, human <laughs> relationships, I suppose. I've, I've been told many times, but also just, just sometimes people just sort of come and go and that was it. So, so this came up, um, the reason that we've managed to get to, to, to this uh, podcast was that you, were, you appeared on a different podcast, um, which was mm-hmm. great. It was, it was Mark Boros, and that was yes. a sensational one. And it was a friend of mine was telling me about it. He said, this, this amazing woman, uh, has done this and, and she's head of the iconic oh that's that's a timely move with the pandemic and everything so she, she must be pretty smart and she and, and she's done this and, and kids and she's got this amazing uh, the way of looking at things if she's worked and the ethic is fantastic um and she used to be uh at rebel she, she used to run rebel i'm just going hang on who is this who is this woman and and he's just gonna uh, he's looked at uh, erica erica birch i've gone Hang on a second. Wait a second. I used to drink with someone called <laughs> Erica Birch told at a little place called the Grosvenor Hotel. I think it was in Waterloo oh, where I lived in it. Divey little pub in Waterloo, yes. And you and I you and I used to just dominate the trivia week in, week out, I think, Correct. as well. Correct. Uh, yeah, they couldn't touch us. Um and 
So, for, and, and it was one of those things that, that, that I was just reminded of, of, of that and your time at, at Rebel and how committed you were to the whole thing. And then it was, and it was one of these little moments. And I, and I keep on telling people about it because I'd started to play cricket just, just for it. And I was just like, I don't have any cricket gear. I've got to get it back. And then just out of the blue, a couple of days later, you said, meet me at the pub. And there's a full kit with a grey Nicholas bat, grey Nick pads, granted gloves, and and the whole kit and caboodle and everything like that. You just got here you go, that's great. And, and I've never forgotten it. And I still have it. And I still use it when I have to duck down to a net session when you when you when you get uh, get persuaded to go down. And it was just that little attention. I I still remember you and the drive and the attention to detail that you had at your time at Rebel and the the fact that it's carried on now to, for people sort of casually passing and comment that they'd heard heard of you and just how amazing you are. So and here Erica, I am talking on your big podcast. <laughs> wow. Wow. It's the way that it's gone, hasn't oh, it? it? It is. It is. How, did, how are you at cricket? Uh, yeah. It, it that, that, I don't know how the, the mathematics on that bat, I had to send it away to the <laughs> CSIRO because it's 90% edge, which is, <laughs> I didn't, I, and I, they're mystified as to how a bat is, is almost entirely edge and handle. <laughs> That's it. Um, but it's, no, it, it's good. I, I went on the, the last actual game of cricket I played with that was 68 not out uh, mm. to, to try and save the match and that's that's when that bat was retired officially. So Excellent. it is a fantastic piece of machinery, that one. Sponsored by Grey Nichols, obviously we are. Um, <laughs> now, on to the questions, if mm. you will. Uh, now, you rolled into the job uh, almost bang on a year out from the biggest yet shortest recession that the world has ever seen, with the fallout is still unresolved. Uh, there's, there's two predictors for a recession. One is the inverted yield curve. We still don't know how the inverted yield curve managed to predict this recession, but it, it still did. And I suppose one of the smartest women in business making the move to, to online retail. Um, now, with with everything that's happened, with the fallout and also the, the, the funny money that's been, sort of, I, would, I would say, potentially maybe propping up a big portion of the industry, what do you think in retail? I mean, what's, what's changed? What stayed the same? What never comes back? What what dies? And what do we leave in the mirror? And what's what's ahead? What haven't we seen yet? Yeah. Well, look, COVID, whilst um, quite a big thing to deal with as a business, you know, global pandemic, no rule book, no precedent really on that for for most of us in leadership roles. Um, I see it as more of an accelerator. You know, it's the great accelerator rather than the great disruptor, really, because it's really just accelerated what was going to happen in retail anyway. I mean, you mentioned that, yes, I, I joined the Iconic having spent many years in bricks and mortar retail. I'd love to say that I was strategically poised to, you know, see that that pandemic was coming. But no, I, I recognised that retail was slowly headed into that online sort of space. And I thought, yeah, I want to jump into that and, and give that a crack and see how different that is. And of course, then COVID came along and just really accelerated that. And if you just look at online penetration, what should have taken years has just taken months. And, you know, in, at the Iconic last year, for example, we um, acquired over a million new customers and that is people that had never shopped with the Iconic before. Now, that is unheard of. Like to acquire that many new customers in one year is, is crazy. That would normally take several years. Um, and, you know, once customers have experienced the convenience of online, I think, they're all kind of saying it's going to be hard to go back. And I think you will see a bit of a return to physical retail, but I think you will also see online continue to grow. And, um, you know, us at the Iconic, I, I like to say that we're an old startup but a young retailer. We're kind of forging our own path ahead. We're using the benefits of our 10-year head start in online 
to continue being at the forefront of technology and, and um, you know, ways of working. Uh, but we're also trying to predict what could happen in the future and, and what we might be able to, um, you know, jump into. And one of the interesting things I saw in this pandemic um, for a business like ours at the Iconic was what used to be considered competition actually became partners to us. So if I think about a brand like Country Road, you know, mm-hmm. owned by David Jones Group, uh, they would normally have seen us as competition they're now one of our biggest brands on our site. And for them to say, hey, we're going to jump into the Iconics marketplace and actually see them as an incremental way of attracting customers and getting a different customer, I think is really interesting. Um, I think customers have had a a definite mind shift uh, on the back of all of this and they're being a lot more mindful and purposeful in their consumerism. Um, You know, Australian made is very popular um, and increasingly so. And we've seen a real uptake in customers using our considered edit, which is um, a way of filtering through and selecting products based on your own personal sustainability uh, attributes that, that resonate with you. And over 50% of our customers are taking into account now ethical and sustainable qualities of clothes and shoes they're purchasing. Now, that was only 20% last year. Right, so to go from 20% last year to 50% this year is a big leap. And um, I think COVID has done a bit of a reset of people's um, assessment of what's important to them. Um, And then what will stay the same? Well, the thing that I think is always um, the same, and and a lot of people get caught saying, you know, talking about channels like online and offline, you know, customers don't think about that. Like they're not thinking about, oh, I'm going online shopping today or I'm going bricks and mortar shopping tomorrow. They're just thinking about I need an outfit for a wedding or I need some new gym gear for outdoor exercise. And, um, you know, I think being um, central to your customer purpose and just trying to help them solve a problem, that's going to stay the same. And, you know, we'll just need to think of faster, more clever ways of doing that. Now, Erica, um, maybe you can talk us through, you know, obviously it's been a huge change for everybody and it's been wild for for all sorts of industries and businesses. Um, But maybe you can uh, peel back the curtain a little bit and talk us through some of the things that um, you've done in the business to adapt and, and ride this out. Yeah, it's been a really interesting time to be CEO, I have to say. I've learned more about crisis management and um, the virus and how to manage that in infectious periods. And, you know, we've got rapid antigen testing set up out at our FC, so having to actually get that set up and, you know, sourcing that in the first place, um, you know, it was pretty eye-opening. Dealing with New South Wales Health has been pretty eye-opening and we're really fortunate that we're such a data-led business and, They've been really impressed by the amount of data that we can get. You know, we could get people's rostering information, overlay that with CCTV footage and then bin locations that they had touched to be able to see close proximity of of, um, team members to each other. Like, that's been crazy. Um, I think if I look at how we've weathered this storm or, or pivoted to this sort of climate, I mean, we are a business that's, pretty young and pretty agile and so we just had to you know maintain that sort of agility and and speed um the iconic you know is super i I worked in retail for over 20 years and thought i'd seen it all in terms of how fast you needed to act but geez pure play retail takes it to a whole other level 
Um, we already had a strategic plan in, in place to try and diversify our product portfolio a bit before COVID. We recognised that we were quite dependent on women's apparel and even more specifically dresses. Uh, and guess what happens when you're in lockdown? You don't need any dresses or high heels or things like that. So um, the strategic plan that we'd already developed just needed to you know, hurry the hell up. And so we introduced the beauty category over the last six months. Uh, we opened an online outlet. We introduced the toys category and expanded our kids offering. And, you know, we've got more categories that actually this week we're launching our home categories. So you can buy bed linen and some soft furnishings from us. So, um, yeah, it was really just about trying to remain agile and fast and, you know, and just really also be quite humble and grateful that we could continue to be in a position where we didn't have to pivot our business model uh, per se, um, but we could stay operating and support our industry and the brands and, and our partners through this time. And so, yeah, it, it's been an interesting time. And, and just yeah, to, but, to follow up yeah. on that, um, you know, obviously logistics has been a huge thing in everybody's life um, uh, as we've changed the way we do pretty much everything. Um, but what have you seen on the logistics side, like the supply chain delivery side of things? Like how have you, was there anything specific that you needed to do um, to make sure that you could keep getting stuff to people? Yeah, we, we're we already pretty fast. Um, you know, the time it takes for us to receive a customer order, pick it, pack it, have it in a satchel on the back dock waiting to be picked up by a courier um, is under uh, under eight minutes. And we're trying to get that even um, shorter, like to, to five minutes. And, you know, really um, partnering with our logistics uh, partners, so Australia Post in particular, um, they keep fleets of people out at our warehouse, like courier drivers um, out at our warehouse to just be super fast with us. Um, you know, when we have those big trading sort of periods or we're under a bit of pressure, they'll come and put some people into our facility out there just to help us kind of coordinate the traffic of parcels needing to go in and out. Um, you know, really having to increase the communication to customers so that if there were going to be any delays, that we, you know, constantly communicated with them and gave them really great visibility of where their products were. Um, but fortunately, touch wood, we haven't been too disrupted in our own uh, facility. I mean, very little disruption in our own facility. And we haven't had to deal with too much disruption from our uh, other external partners. But, you know, just working really closely with them um, to try and overcome any obstacles. I think there is... Uh, in fact, probably one truck that is dedicated from your distribution centre that that is just en route to my place. <laughs> the way that the way that we've gone through this pandemic has been at least averaging one iconic bag a week, mm. um, which is which is good. And it's sometimes it's for me, and, and most of the time it's not for me. But um, the my amazing wife just absolutely loves it, and I I hadn't really delved into it but I did sort of uh, uh, I have a while ago but I, I, I did sort of in prep for this and I looked at it and immediately I was drawn into oh hey, there's a discount for this which is great and obviously you get a discount for doing it and, it, and then it, it sort of takes you on a way which was very natural to go from the last time that I went and visited so this, yeah. the, the website leads you on, on, on this beautiful journey and not blowing any smoke on this one but it just seems like the, just, that it was a natural sort of direction to take you to the things that you actually need to see very easily, and it was that smooth sort of way, without overstepping its, without overstepping its boundaries on what it knows about you. And this is sort of leading into my next question about mm. that 
that a lot of companies, especially in retail, and we're seeing it now more and more in social media, we're seeing it in, in anything that's online. Some companies, they take, a, they take an inch of data and they all of a sudden assume a mile about you. The, the old joke that Facebook starts advertising things to me when I've, before I've even thought about it, is uh, it's, it scares the hell out of me, that sort of stuff. And I've heard the expression that, that, that a good retailer, a good online service should, should act like a butler, not a stalker. Um, <laughs> so, you know, don't, you know, don't be the creepy guy who's just like, oh, I reckon you need another pair of gloves because you just lost them. It's just like, well, get the hell out of my life. Let me find that out for myself. Um, that's, that's the sort of story. But yeah. where, where, where do you think the boundary, I mean, you're, you're one of these change you're someone who can actually lead the way on this one. Where does the boundary sit between what a company does with the data and what it knows and then what it actually uses on with someone? Yeah, look, it's a good phrase actually that you you said there that, you know, act like a butler, not a stalker. You know, no one wants to be stalked. And, I mean, how many times have you been having a conversation with somebody and then within an hour your phone has started to cough up all of these sort of ads to you, right? Like no one wants that sort of level of intrusion. Our motto is really to be seamless when you know what you want and inspiring when you don't. And so what does that mean? Well, we want to, when you're jumping onto our site to look for a particular range of products, like you might want some new, I don't know, swimmers because it's going to be hot this weekend, you want to go swimming. Then when you know what you want, then we want to help you find that really, really quickly and easily through our navigation and filters and things like that um, and, and through the product that we serve to you. Uh, and then give you a really great delivery proposition as well. But if there's times where you don't know what you want, like, hey, I need some summer clothes because the weather's getting warmer, then we want to inspire you and serve you up with product and brands that we think you would like based on what you've searched for before or, or other things that you've purchased from us. And so it's about using the data to be helpful and to be just the best shop assistant you've ever seen in your life, right? Like just to be really helpful and informative and friendly about it and not crossing that line and, and going overboard with it. And so we we kind of play a two-way conversation with customers and data in that it's not just all about us secretly capturing data and then doing something with that. Like customers voluntarily give us that sort of data. So we have something called wishlisting in our um, navigation or, or in our product pages where you can create your own wish lists of things. You can actually create a wish list board and send that to someone else and say, hey, hint, hint, here's some stuff that I like. Um, you know, there's fit information. So you would tell us that in this brand I take this size, in this brand I take this size. And we could also have a look at what you've bought and more importantly what you've returned and when you return it and you're selecting, you're returning it because it was the wrong size, it was too big or too small. All of that sort of data is really helpful for you as a customer to make sure you don't make that same mistake again. So it's it's about using data for good, not evil, um, and, you know, using it to really enhance the customer journey, I guess, and, and not cross that line. That's uh, We're just going to come to a question in just a second, Erica. Uh, but first, let's pay a few bills. Bridge Street Capital Partners, proud sponsor of The Big Show is a also a Sydney-based corporate advisory firm that specialises in equity capital markets transactions for small cap companies listed on the ASX, primarily in the mining, energy and tech sectors. Sophisticated investors who want to hear about Bridge Street's upcoming capital raises can send their details to info at bridgestreetcapital.com.au. Uh, Colgo, I think you had a question coming up. 
Uh, yeah, um, I just want to um, jump down to, you know, obviously you, you, you talked about the technology there um, and uh, obviously such an important part of retail businesses and look, all industries are to some extent um, going through a lot of uh, change and transformation, you know, from mining uh, to um, logistics, as we talked about, but also retail with technology. Um, but uh you know some Australian companies and um, have been have grown from being very very small uh, to being enormously successful and I think this is really one of the sort of untold stories of the last decade um, is you know with the Atlassians but also Canva this week um, mm. running at a reported fifty five billion dollar valuation <laughs> so unbelievable yeah unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, and can I just say, uh, Mel Perkins, who um, runs that, she is fantastic. I've met her, uh, interviewed her, and uh, she is a really class uh, act, uh, really down to earth. And they're talking about giving away their money too. Um, so, um, but um, look, so you know, Canva looking at fifty-five billion dollar valuation. Uh, um, how do you think about the iconic as um, a tech company? Uh, versus being uh, a, a retailer. Yeah, look, I, I think we're equal parts tech company uh, as we are retailer. And it's funny you mentioned Canva because between us, Canva, Atlassian, Facebook, Google, we all seem to rotate some team members amongst each other. You know, they'll pick someone up from our business, we pick someone up from that business. And, um, and I think that is almost a proof point that we are very much a tech company um, as I said before, we're an old startup but a young retailer and um, tech is really embedded in every part of our business because of that sort of startup phase being only 10 years ago. And, you know, we have really rich data insights and analytics that allow us to make informed decisions across every uh, facet of our business, whether that be buying or marketing or out at the FC, um, using robotics and using those sort of capabilities in our warehouse and, and, you know, I spoke about us being able to pick a pack and have an order ready for dispatch in under eight minutes. I mean, that doesn't come without some sort of big tech investment using AI and AR. And, you know, I'm really big on saying that everything that can happen in a store environment, in a physical environment, can happen online. We've just got to do that translation and map it and Using AI and AR is increasingly a, a fabulous way to be able to do that. Um, and then just having smarter brand partnerships and, and using tech again to offer our brands more options on how they can partner with us. So, for example, we've got brands now that we might range a product wholesale, which means we buy the stock, put it in our warehouse and say there's a shoe from Adidas and there's 10 different sizes. If we sell out of one of those sizes, we can still offer that product for sale on our site and the system will know to spin that order out to Adidas directly and let them fulfill that straight to the customer on our behalf because the customers wanted to purchase that from us. And, and so using tech to be able to fulfill customer needs really quickly and seamlessly is, you know, really important. That is really that, cool. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. you know, like we and so for the customer, it's seamless, right? They don't even know that's happening. Uh, it just all happens in the background. Um, look, we do some other innovative sort of stuff. Like we've tried stuff like drone delivery before. Can't say it's particularly scalable. <laughs> and, you know, a business like ours that has, you know, just so many visits, like 17 million visits a month, um, you know, we need something that 
you know, we want to be cool and innovative and try the new stuff, but we also need to be pretty practical and, and you know, ensure that it's going to do something meaningful for a lot of customers, not just, you know, three. So, um, and I think the tech side, like this whole, I hadn't really worked in that sort of world before. And when I joined the Iconic, the tech bit was the bit that I was most daunted by because I hadn't really worked with a cool, young, funky tech team before. No disrespect, I have to say. Sorry to everybody else I've ever worked with that works in tech. Um, Not Jerry yeah, Harvey. Yeah, I've just kind of sledged everyone. Right. But, um, <laughs> but, but, you know, look, the iconic, our average age is 27, right? Like there's some really cool, innovative people in our business and they were so welcoming to me and, and just showed me not to be afraid of that and just how much tech was at the heart of everything that we did. And it's it's probably one of the biggest spotlights I want to put on our organisation moving forward that, hey, we are still a tech company and we won't be afraid to use it and, you know, we're, we're really going to um, do a lot more development in that space. Do you want to go into that? If uh, Some other things, I mean, you mentioned drones. Was, was there any other, like, what what did, what doesn't work, what does work, what are some stuff that, that, that just got turfed? What's some you, stuff that you might be working on that we could not? Yeah, like, I mean, some of the stuff that works, like we've got this tool called Visualise, right, which right. is you can... Um, scan your foot and and select a sneaker and it will show you what that sneaker looks like on your foot virtually um, using AR. And um, I kind of thought that was going to be a bit of a gimmick, right? I'm like, yeah, okay, look, it's a nice thing to, to have, but, you know, what's it going to do? Well, what it actually did do was increase our conversion rate because I think we'd underestimated how much people just love to try on a sneaker in store and see what it looks like on their foot. And so us being able to provide that for them virtually was something that actually increased conversion of people that were coming to the site looking at our sneakers. And it also reduced the return rate on that sneaker category because, again, people could see what it looked like and got a better sense of what it was going to look like on them. And so after they purchased, they were less likely to return. So that was very encouraging uh, for us. Um, you know, and there's other things. I mean, I said those wish list boards, they're something that's really popular that you could put together a board and send it to someone and say, hey, here's what I want for my birthday, pick something from this. Yeah. Um, we've also got Snap to Shop. Like I could take a photo of something that you're wearing or something in a magazine and then upload that um, to our site and it will find something similar uh, uh, in, in our range. Yeah, so that's pretty cool as well. So most of what we do works to varying degrees um you know it's just a, i mean even the drone thing worked it's just that not enough people really wanted that and uh, and actually even if they did want it i don't think we would have been able to scale that up fast enough so yeah. i am i am reminded of when and colgo this would have been probably when you were uh you were editor chief editor of business insider and it was every time amazon patented something like an airship that would have drones flying out of the bottom of it. Every single tech and media junkie lost their absolute biscuits <laughs> about the, about the yeah. revolution that it was that we're going to have Amazon blimps lining yeah. the horizon, dropping dropping furniture on top of us. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> it's it's nice to have. Um, can we talk about the experience? About I mean, I, I think that the way I mean, <laughs> I. I Classic, classic man. I'm going to tell the CEO of of uh, an online re retailer how it works. But I, the the way that I see it as an investment manager is that I think a fair chunk of retail, the ones that are going to survive this, uh, it, the experience is going to be if you walk into a shop, 
then that experience had better be the best damn experience that you are ever going to get. Mm. And you know, the, the, you can't have you can't have staff hiding like we see in some of the some of the retailers now. Um, they, I've, I've joked in the past that if we ever have to fight a guerrilla war, then we should get the staff from. David Jones potentially to, to 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 fight on our side because you'll never be able to find them in the jungle. The, <laughs> that, but but you know what I mean. So so if you, if you are going, the ones that are still standing out the front, I mean they've, they've got to be the best. Now you guys don't really get that that chance to actually have the smiling face and that you want. How what else are you doing that's working on the experience? Yeah, look, I mean when we get back into being able to get out and about, we will do some what I call physical sort of touch points with customers like so we normally go to music festivals like blues fest or um the like and but when we go to those sort of things we don't just kind of set up a trestle table and flog a few t-shirts like we set up a front loader washing machine that you have to crawl through to get into an exclusive dance party out the back <laughs> with some djs and you know so we we will continue to be innovative like that and do our kind of runway shows and and things like that um, you know, we've got other um, other kind of technology that we're developing at the moment that will continue to develop and, and get in front of customers in a way that no one else is. And I'm not going to talk too much about that because it's all very secret squirrel, but we've got oh. some big moves, big moves in, in that kind of virtual sort of space. Um, and look, th- there's other categories that we'll continue to get into as well, and and also sub edits within categories. Like we've recently launched adaptive wear, so that people with disabilities can, um, you know, buy fashionable, beautiful sort of product. We'll increase our sustainability sort of ranges. Um, we're doing a lot in the indigenous space, so we had our first reconciliation action plan signed off by reconciliation in Australia last year and I'd really love to do a lot with Indigenous artists and designers. So we'll continue to do some things um, like that as well. Certainly, uh, you know, there's a big appetite out there, uh, isn't there, Erica, for like how do we find ways to celebrate uh, and place Indigenous culture at kind of the at the heart of day-to-day Australian life, um, yeah. uh, r- r- you know, rather than it being this thing that's kind of... Um, that belongs to a group of people it's something that yeah. you know belongs to the to the whole country yeah and you know i i think we can play a role like at the iconic like we're we're young and we may not be the biggest but we won't be afraid of taking a leadership position in a lot of important topics like this and i believe we can really provide mentorship to a lot of indigenous people whether they be artists or whether they be designers or just young kids that want to get into different um, careers, whether it be marketing or buying, and they don't know how to do that. So we're really going to look at the pathways we could provide for the Indigenous community on a lot of different fronts, and I feel quite passionately about that. Yeah, it's it's great, and I think one of the things we we work on um, the campaign for um, a referendum uh, on the voice mm-hmm. to Parliament, and it's it's really about you know. Um, uh, empowering uh, Indigenous Australians to have a say over the things that af- affect their life, um, you know. Um, so, um, you know, so many things have been tried in terms mm-hmm. of 
uh, addressing some of the disadvantage and you know closing the, the gap as we call it you know which is you know in uh, incarceration rates education life expectancy mm. all of that kind of stuff so many things have been tried and often with very very good intentions and the one thing that kind of hasn't been happened hasn't been happening properly is uh, getting indigenous people themselves to have have a say in the in the the um the things that affect them mm. um so um it's really great um to see i think really important that the business community shows leadership on this uh you know and that it's not just a sort of cultural uh thing that's happening uh so good on you yeah looking at the, the mentoring uh thing you mentioned that, that the move that you made in 2019 or late late 18 when you made the move you discussed it with your mentor the people that I know that are doing really well and the CEOs and the high-level guys that I that I know, uh, they've all got mentors. And I like I consider myself not being one of those people who's going to get one and I don't because I'm just a stubborn, you know, descendant of Irish people and that's mm-hmm. just the way that we work. Um, that what can you run me through the mentor? Like how does, how does it work? I'm sorry, like this is a really, really stupid, like the dumbest question you're going to get. No, How does the mentoring thing work? You sign up to a to a to a facility, and they just assign you a guy, or what? Like, I honestly don't know. How oh, it you, works. you're talking about mentor walks that I I do, or or no. mentoring for myself. No, the mentoring, like you had yeah. you, you had yeah. a mentor that, that that you referred to on the decision that you made in 2008. Yeah, well, it was less a, a formal mentor sort of program. Like, I found it hard to identify mentors along the way, but I've probably just had some clever people that I knew that I would just lean on for, you know. A, advice or just to be a sounding board a little bit during yeah. during the time and you know there's one person in particular a lady called Leslie who's someone that I hold in very high regard I, I, she does a bit of executive coaching sort of stuff with me sometimes and uh, and helps them with some team building you know activities and and organizational stuff and you know I remember at the time when I was thinking about joining the iconic I needed that sounding board I needed somebody that could you know just talk objectively with me about it because I joined the Iconic. I was five months pregnant when I joined the Iconic. Right now, the safest, best thing in the world for me to do would have been to stay in the job that I was at uh, and then go and have a baby and take my mat leave and you know come back and you know just cruise, I guess. Um, and actually, I decided not to do that, and I needed some encouragement. Just say, hey, it's okay. You're clever enough. You'll figure it out. Like and. So, um, so I guess, yeah, using those sort of sounding boards of people that you know to just, she didn't tell me anything that I wasn't already thinking. She just gave me the confidence to ask myself the tough questions and to actually say, yeah, I'm going to do this and confront my own fears and go, look, I, I recognize them and I'm going ahead with this anyway. Um, and I actually do try and help play a bit of a mentoring role for other people, whether it be in our organisation or there's a, a um, organisation called Mentor Walks where I try and volunteer my time for that and try and help some particularly up-and-coming women. Um, and, yeah, I, I think mentoring doesn't have to be really hard or formal. It can just be a conversation with somebody and just saying, hey, here's what I'm thinking about. What do you think? What's your experience been on this? And, and yeah, have some pretty informal sort of conversations. Okay, so it's, it's. I'm gonna have to bite the bullet and get one eventually, and there you go. And I'm sure that everything will happen after that, which is 
amazing. Uh, I don't have any more but questions. But you don't, James. You don't actually have to get one because what you could be doing is saying, hey, Erica, meet me at the Grosvenor <laughs> and can I just pick your brain on this? And that's as, that's as complicated as it needs to be, right? So, yeah, don't feel that you need to do because I, I don't really subscribe to the whole formal official sort of mentoring program. Who's got time for it anyway, right? But Yeah. But using people as sounding boards, um, I think, is, is helpful. Uh, can I ask you, Erica, what, what you think um, the important things are for young people coming up who are may, maybe ambitious and might yeah. like to do a job, you know, similar to yours um, yeah. in, in the future? What, what do you think are the important things uh, for people now to focus on? Um, yeah. Look, I, I'd say being able to build a good rapport with your team and or, or just with people generally. I mean, look, I met James years and years ago, you know, would chat to him at the pub, gave him some cricket gear, you know, just being able to have a conversation with people and just listen more than you actually talk. You know, you've got two ears and one mouth for a reason, so just listen a lot more than what you actually talk and you learn a lot of things um, about people. And, you know, really understanding that there's financial Yes, certainly financial metrics that you need to focus on, like sales and profit. But there's other things in business that are equally important, like employee engagement, like how happy your staff are to be working for your um, organisation, what they're telling you that you you should be doing more or less of, customer engagement, like those things are as important, if not more, than actually the sales and profit. Because if your team aren't happy and your customers aren't happy, you're not going to have the sales and profit to to worry about. Um, And I think fostering diverse teams and diversity doesn't just mean gender. I mean, yes, I, I wave the flag of female uh, diversity and, and um, gender equality, um, certainly, but diversity takes many shapes and, and forms and there's race, religion, age, experience. And I think trying to just build enough diversity around you and around the boardroom table or the executive table so they have really good quality conversations which will then lead to even better quality decisions. I think that's just, um, you know, something that's really important. And and then finally, you know, don't be an ass. Like no one wants to help someone that's just an asshole. So just be nice, be friendly, be humble, um, and then people will generally want to help you. Yeah. Uh, um, well, I've got nothing more to ask you, Erica. Anything else to add for this one, Colgo? Otherwise, we're happy to wrap it up. This has been a fascinating, uh, fascinating segment. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, this has been great, Erica. Thanks so much. And, you know, we do um, ha- occasionally have CEOs on here, and it's, I think it's a great change of pace uh, for us. You know, it is it is business investing in policy, and we tend to be very heavy on the investing in the policy side. But, of course, um, there's nothing to invest in and run policy for uh, if you don't have businesses in the first place. Yeah. So, um, so thank Thanks, you. Thanks, James and Paul, for having me on your podcast. Thank you very much, Erica. Uh, uh, do, we, do we do an ad, Paul? I, yeah. Okay, Bridge Street Capital Partners is a Sydney-based corporate advisory firm that specialises in equity capital markets transactions for small cap companies. Listed on the ASX, I'll have to take a breath, primarily in the mining, energy and tech sectors. Sophisticated investors, aka 708s, who want to hear about Bridge Street's upcoming capital raises can send their details to us, to me, to if you get in contact, or if you want to go direct to them, info at bridgestreetcapital.com.au. They've got good deals. I do participate in them myself, full disclosure, and we are very happy to have them as an amazing sponsor. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe to the show. Right. 
and review and uh, wherever you get your podcasts. So forget five stars, five stars, five stars. We need them. We want them. That's how everything keeps turning. You can find us on iTunes at The Bip Show or wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Twitter. It's at the underscore bit underscore show. And we're on Facebook too for some reason. Just search The Bip Show. I've got a website and good for me. It's called Wheel and Capital. Just Google it. Follow the links and I, I do things on there. And, and this one, I, I try as hard as I can to put a note out every week based on things that were said here. Erica, I'm almost certain that I've already got a note written in my head about what we've talked about today. And um, and I'll, I'll get it to you uh, as quick as I can if you want to have a bit of a proof before it goes out. Individually, um, on Twitter, uh, we've got at Colgo. We've got at James Whelan 42 a.k.a. The Answer. Uh, and at Ken Bexler, uh, Erica, you're not on Twitter, and that's probably this one of the smartest things I've ever heard. <laughs> I was, but I, I just I don't have time for Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> sums it up beautifully. Um, Erica, thank you so much for joining us. It's, it has been a fantastic catch-up, and uh, I'm going to lean on you uh, for, for a few beers once the doors open again in a few weeks. Excellent. Thank you. All right, this show is produced by Rick Salter and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Good on you, Colgate. Thanks. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.